it's starting to look from that core perspective that the interest rate policy, those aggressive hikes that the Bank of Canada did last year are making their way through the economy and are making a meaningful impact. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Canadian investors breathe a sigh of relief following January inflation data that showed a continued cooling in consumer prices. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Matt Montemoro, and your host Mackenzie Box discuss the divergence of inflation trends occurring between Canada and the U.S., where price gains continue to run hotter than expected, increasing the likelihood interest rates will need to go higher for longer there. They also discuss the relative performance of real estate income trusts as well as technology stocks to start the year and where those sectors go from here. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to our ETF Weekly Insights podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and provide comments and questions. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Chris Heeks and Matt Montemuro, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Morning, Mackenzie. Good to be here again. Thanks for having us. Thanks again for joining and coming back each and every week. With that, we'll get started. So, Chris, we'll start with you first. So, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that landlord defaults are increasing relating to big offices as their related hybrid work habits have impaired the office market. Can you provide related insights to the REITs market here in Canada and an overview of the top three AUM and their exposures to office REITs? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mackenzie. It's a little bit of a, a reminder of 2008. You know, it's the last time I recall when we saw investors or, you know, usually in that case, it was home, you know, individual people, but they walked away from houses as a result of the, uh, the mortgage meltdown. We we saw that uh, a little bit in uh, in LA in particular. So it was Brookfield, pretty high profile a few days ago, uh, walked away from, you know, a couple kind of uh, more aging uh, office buildings, but walked away from their obligation there and, and just choosing to, to kind of take the penalty rather than to continue to um, to have the ownership in that, in that building. Um, you know, really, it's just it's a business decision you know, I won't go deep into Brookfield, but, you know, they're a very strong, very well diversified uh, a company. And, you know, this is a very, very small portion of uh, one holding in a much broader portfolio. Uh, but certainly, I think when it comes to REITs, the eye has been on office REITs. Um, you know, REITs kind of quietly last year uh, really underperformed the market. So if you look at ZRE, the BMO Canadian REIT, uh, equal weight REIT ETF, was down about 17% last year, uh, whereas the index was down about six. And that's a little unusual because, you know, REITs are considered a more defensive exposure, uh, but still in a year where volatility was having negative impacts, REITs underperformed. You know, when you look at the REIT uh, space overall, you know, there's positives and negatives, like 
pretty much everything. Um, you know, in terms of providing an, an inflation hedge, you know, REITs can do that and are, and are known for uh, being able to pass through inflation. And they do that by, um, by uh, resetting lease agreements and rent agreements as, as they move through. Um, you know, I think all of our listeners are aware of how strong rents have been in Canada in the, uh, in, in the residential space, uh, but also in the retail space, uh, certainly less strong in the office space. Uh, but overall, REITs give that ability to pass through inflation. They tend to perform um, okay in higher inflation environments. The real negative with REITs is, you know, and they, they live somewhere like halfway in between fixed income and equity, but they do have that higher interest rate sensitivity. So, you know, I think the real pain last year came from the impact of higher rates and the impact that has on that's that had on REITs. You know, as we look forward, I think there's going to be a lot of recalibration, and I'm sure Matt's going to speak to this on the fixed income side, but, you know, there's been a lot of recalibration. You know, we're looking at being near the end of the game, so to speak, in terms of interest rate increases. And I'm not going to steal Matt's thunder, but he's going to talk about CPI coming in a bit light and the trajectory that's on. But we're looking at being a little later stage. And what that gives is these interest rate sensitive, sensitive assets, that ability to recalibrate and be better return going forward. So, you know, given REITs underperformed by 11% last year, I think it sets up well for them, uh, given we're near the end of the hiking stage. Uh, they're off to a great start this year. They're up about 9%. Uh, versus the index, the S&P TSX composite index at about 5%. So getting back some of that outperformance. And just to circle back on that office concern, you know, important to remember that office is actually a pretty small proportion of the overall weighting within the ETF. Uh, so office REITs is approximately 8% in, in ZRE, our equal weight REIT ETF. By far, uh, the greater amount of weight retail REITs, residential REITs are about 30 to 35% each. Uh, there's an industrial REIT portion, which has performed quite well throughout uh, the last several months. And then there's diversified REITs as well. So overall, I think office REITs will get the headlines. And we all understand that the, you know, the, the new workplace dynamics have maybe changed permanently the, the game for office REITs. And we'll see how that continues to play out. But the bigger picture is, you know, there's a lot more exposure to residential and retail and industrial, and uh, and I, uh, you know, pretty uh, perspective on this uh, on this sector as we go forward. You know, recognizing that rates have have recalibrated here. So, uh, like this at and published a trade piece on it recently. Great, thanks, Chris. And um, if you're looking for a trade idea on that, you can also uh, check our dashboard. We do have uh, some great trade odds on that. BMO ETFs is proud to launch 10 new tickers with a range of solutions covering fixed income, sector-based covered calls, and inflation solutions. The BMO U.S. Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZUAG, gives investors access to the broad U.S. market for shorter-duration bonds. Two new covered call funds in energy and healthcare tickers. ZWEN and ZWHC, respectively, are now available for sector-focused investors. For those seeking inflation-fighting funds, the BMO Global Agriculture ETF or BMO U.S. Tips Index ETFs, tickers ZEAT and TIPS, satisfy both equity and bond solutions to rising consumer prices. Visit BMOETFs.ca for more.
moving over to Matt, as you kind of alluded to, uh, Chris. So yesterday we saw uh, January CPI print come in for Canada and it was sub 6%. Uh, so Matt, can you walk us through this release and what it tells us moving forward? Yeah, absolutely, Mackenzie. And, you know, after a hotter than expected CPI print in the U.S. last week, that kind of sent markets into a little bit of a tailspin as, you know, the market digested the information and expected the Fed will need to continue hiking rates to manage kind of some entrenched inflation fears that I think they're they're uh, exhibiting. You know, we've seen the U.S. terminal rate expectations soar as a result over, over the last uh, week. You know, all eyes were on the Canadian CPI print today to see, did we follow the U.S.'s trend or did we buck the trend? We all had a little bit of a sigh of relief when the CPI surprise uh, came in cooler than expected. So January CPI year over year printed at 5.9% versus uh, consensus estimates of 6.1%. So that continued the downward trend and trajectory that the Bank of Canada was hoping for. uh, And it likely cements the Bank of Canada's stance of, of wait and see and that likely for now, they're pausing that interest rate hiking cycle. So that that's great uh, news for us in Canada. And, you know, but as we know, it's not just the headline number that matters. We want to make sure that we are digging into all the subcomponents to make sure that, you know, the head, that headline number isn't masking some other looming issues that we may not be identifying that maybe some of that inflation is stickier than expected. So what I wanted to do today was just dig into that a little bit more, uh, go into some of those subcomponents and maybe what it tells us uh, going forward. So again, that headline number was 5.9%. If you looked at headline X food and energy, we were looking at 4.9%. So again, trending down, trending in the right direction. Core, which has been something that uh, it's important to keep your eye on, especially of late, due to its upward trajectory. Uh, you know, there's been some concern about core inflation versus headline. That came down as well, clocking in at about five percent uh, year over year. Uh, and another, that's another positive trend, and and uh, something that we we are all uh, excited to see that that getting uh, starting to get curtailed. Even more positive, if you look at the three-month annualized core number, we see that at 3.5%. So that's excellent news, and that's something that the Bank of Canada and markets were, were really hoping for. And you know, it's starting to look, that, that from that core perspective, that the interest rate policy, those aggressive hikes uh, that the Bank of Canada did last year, are making their way through the economy and are making a meaningful impact. So that's something that's positive. Uh, and and you know over the near term, I think overall we've been very happy with looking at you know November, December, January. Everyone in Canada, unlike unlike some of the, the we're seeing in the U.S., uh, there's a lot of positivity around the trend around inflation, and that's something that I think uh, everybody from investors to consumers are are definitely excited about. Um, you know, if you look at some other uh, numbers to see kind of how this stands, only 39% of CPI components are now showing higher than year over year variation uh, versus three months ago. So that's a sharp uh, decrease from 70% you 
you know, just in around that August, September timeframe. So, you know, again, this is just showing the trends. We, we are, you know, near term, we're, we're moving in the right direction. Things are looking positive. You know, we're not out of the water yet, but it is something that's like, okay, that, that's a positive sign as we further move into 2023. But that being said, as we saw in the U.S., it's not time to celebrate. This isn't over. We still have inflation above the Bank of Canada's target. You know, there's still um, things that are concerning components that need to be monitored as uh, they can lead to inflation being more sticky and more entrenched over the longer term. So that's something that we need to focus on. So, you know, I'm going to go into some of those numbers as, as you know, we continue to look at inflation prints month over month. Here are some things that I, I would be concerned about and, and just keep an eye on um, from that's just that's a little bit deeper than the headline CPI number. So if you look at food prices, they continue to be a hot topic and, and very newsworthy, you know, as I think prices hit the grocery aisles. It's probably the most visible aspect of inflation for for the average consumer. You know, food is still trending higher than year over year with growth at around 10 percent. With little sign of retreat, we haven't seen that trend back yet. You know, this segment is something that the Bank of Canada will will keenly be targeting and hoping that some of those interest rate hikes will eventually make their way through to the supply chain. So, you know, that's going to be something to to focus on uh, over the next few months. As I, you know, it's it's definitely something that has been in the papers, in the news, very very regularly. So it's not going to be something we, you know, as consumers forget about. Looking at shelter. This continues to trend higher than headline inflation. And another uh, high profile aspect of shelter is kind of that mortgage interest rate cost or mortgage interest cost. You know, this continues to see upward trajectory. Uh, and, and again, something that we want to monitor when that starts to trend downwards. You know, that'll be the real start to uh, this real feel that we see these interest rate hikes really making their way through the, the full cycle of the economy. 74% of the CPI basket continues to trend higher than the Bank of Canada's 3% target. So this is where, you know, we're not out of the water yet. We, although we are seeing a trend that's positive, you know, there are still concerns. We're still much higher than that, that Bank of Canada's target. So, you know, this is not saying that we're going to see a drop in interest rates anytime soon. We're likely in an environment for higher rates for longer, but it does cement the fact that the Bank of Canada is likely to pause on interest rates uh, for the time being. You know, I think uh, this this month's print, though, does put some more positivity in the markets, a little bit of a sigh of relief. Um, and I think that's something that 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 Canadians can be uh, sit home about and, and be positive about. You know, continue to be to continue to be weary of U.S. like hotter than expected prints because that is something that that we we would expect. This is not going to just be a linear kind of inflation um, taming. You know, there's going to be some blips along the way, as we saw in the U.S. last week. So uh, with that, you know, as the market continues to price in a very aggressive one and two year expected inflation targets, you know. I still think that inflation protected securities are attractive. You know, you know, I think a lot of people, even though we are seeing a positive trend, looking at inflation break evens, it's still a very aggressive target in one year and two year time frame. Um, 
you know, because we still are quite a bit higher than that Bank of Canada's 3% target. So for me, looking at investments like ZTIP, ZTIP, so that's our BMO short-term US TIPS ETF, uh, TIPS, that's our new TIPS ETF, so that's our, our BMO US TIPS ETF, and then our BMO real return bond ETF, ZRR. I think those are excellent ways for investors to continue to protect themselves uh, from near-term inflation pressures. So even though we are moving in the right direction, that doesn't mean you don't want, you want to remove all inflation protection in the near term. So, you know, I think having something like uh, inflation protected securities through TIPS, ZTIP or ZRR, that all provides uh, some stability and an excellent complement to your traditional fixed income uh, portfolio over the next little while where we do expect to continue to see volatility in that inflation space. So, you know, that that was just a very deep dive into into today, yesterday's uh, CPI print, uh, but something, you know, p- positive to look forward to as we uh, move into 2023. Great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the deep dive. And it's nice to see some positivity coming out uh, from yesterday. Chris, we'll hand it over to you. The recent stock performance of the tech sectors has been positive as well. uh, But at the same time, there are regular announcements of layoffs. This makes one think that these companies could be challenged. And if you put this together, it can be confusing. So how should one look at the tech sector at this time? Just like everything else, positives and negatives. Um, you know, if I can link it back to real estate, you know, we talked about recalibration. I think it's a bit of a theme here as well with regards to tech. And I think the recalibration is, unfortunately, the era of easy money is done, as, as you know, many people have commented. So, um, you know, we don't expect to see the tailwinds that we saw in 2018, 2019, 2020 even. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's an uninvestable sector, you know, quite the contrary, where, you know, Huge believers, as, as I think everyone is, and to, you know, the power of technology, how that's changing business, and and very bullish on technology uh, overall. But just just recognizing, uh, you know, like Matt said, there's there's pressures. We're not out of the woods yet by any means, so that's going to continue to pressure. You know, just to recap, the sell off in tech last year, really the interest rates, the rising interest rates played a large role there and kind of uh, negatively impacting growth. Uh, so not out of the woods, but. You know, uh, obviously, uh, some of these companies are much more attractively valued than they were. And so can, I think, present an entry point. I think there's two ways that, uh, you know, I wanted to think about playing the technology space. And one was through a factor lens, which was the quality. And another one through our cover call lens. So I'll just briefly kind of outline the thinking, you know, the quality lens uh, this is a factor strategy or smart beta strategy. It emphasizes um, high profitability, so high return on equity, uh, low levels of debt, and stable earnings. You know, stable earnings is indicative of an economic moat. Um, it's indicative that you know companies outperforming its peers. You know, low debt is obviously attractive in an environment where interest rates are higher, and and high profitability. I think you know is always attractive. So. Um, I think it's just going to be a little bit tougher to make money in technology. Like I said, easy money's done. You, I think investing in quality companies, companies with good, solid fundamentals and balance sheet strength is a good way to go. And the reason why I mentioned quality in this context is it's had an overweight to technology. So it's, um, it's, it's a diversified strategy, but has an overweight to technology. You know, it underperformed. So ZUQ, our BMO 
um, U.S. high quality index ETF. You know, underperformed last year. It was down about 17%, whereas the S&P 500 in Canadian terms was down 12. So underperformed by four or by five, excuse me. They're both up 4% this year. So line in line. Now, I think quality has an opportunity to outperform. And, uh, you know, certainly we're going to see the comeback of this tech uh, sector at some point. We just don't know exactly when it will be. But uh, I think getting exposure through a quality overlay makes a lot of sense. Um, and then the other one I wanted to address was the ZWT, which is our BMO uh, covered call technology ETF. And, you know, as our regular listeners will know, um, you know, we do a lot in the covered call space. And, you know, some of the benefits, you know, or one of the key benefits really is increasing an income stream, turning what, you know, in this case, you know, isn't really known to be a dividend oriented sector, but creating an income stream out of the, uh, out of the volatility space by selling covered calls, you know, it can benefit from a higher uh, volatility backdrop. So if you look at ZWT, it's yielding around five and a half percent net to the client. And, you know, again, Gives, gives, gives investors that ability to benefit, even if even if technology goes a little bit sideways. Uh, you know, if technology rallies, you know, that's going to be a good outcome for the cover call as well. So uh, I do like the cover call approach, um, you know, given the uncertainty, continued uncertainty in the market. Uh, but, you know, a good cover call strategy, like all of our cover call strategies, you know, it, it really rests on a strong foundation. And, and I think investors want to pay attention to that. And, and I do think, the technology space is a strong foundation just going through some uh, intermittent wobbles. So, um, you know, those are a couple of ways I think investors can kind of intelligently get exposure to the space through, say, a ZUQ on the quality side or the ZWT on the cover call side. Great. Thanks, Chris. Amid elevated interest rates and market volatility, consider six BMO ETFs yielding over 6%, including the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, featuring solid historical dividend growth. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Bank's ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. Or the BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZWC, ZWB, and ZWU. And uh, our last question of the day, uh, Matt, we'll kind of stick with the CPI theme. Uh, so with the CPI prints going in different directions, what are you seeing in terms of the terminal rates in both Canada and the U.S.? And how have expectations changed? And does this change your opinion on fixed income positioning? Thanks, Mackenzie. And you know, I think I've said enough about Canadian fixed income for today. So I'll focus on its impact on the markets and in terminal rates. So, you know, year to date, Canadian terminal rates have held steady. So, you know, U.S. pressure thus far this year has led to slight increases, less than about 20 basis points, uh, with the market expecting a, a peak terminal rate in Canada of about 4.72 uh, for this year. You know, so no assurance that, you know, any more hikes for the remainder of the market, uh, remainder of 2023, that's kind of what the market is pricing in right now. They're, they're listening and they are trusting the Bank of Canada's uh, 
pause policy that we are going to have stability of interest rates for much of 2023. You know, this stability has been great news for for markets and the Bank of Canada. uh, And CPI continues to give us confidence here that that this might uh, project into the future. You know, we have seen a different story in the U.S. Since January's CPI print uh, last week, we've seen the terminal rate expectations uh, really soar. They've uh, risen almost 75 basis points to about 5.4% peak. Uh, You know, so the market is telling us that they don't think that the Fed is done and they still have quite a bit of work to do. So, you know, looking forward, while the Bank of Canada is expected to hold tight, the market expects the Fed to raise rates by 25 basis points in March, uh, 25 basis points at the meeting after that in May, with the possibility of another 25 basis points at the post-May meeting. So the market firmly does believe that the Fed uh, is, is not near being done at this point and that there continues to be work uh, ahead of them. So does this change my fixed income positioning? You know, As a whole, no, it doesn't. Uh, We still believe that barbell positioning makes a lot of sense for this environment uh, with an overweight to corporates in the short end uh, and having government exposure as a volatility offset in the long end. You know, we do and did expect volatility into 2023. This wasn't going to be a linear fix in terms of controlling and cooling inflation. Uh, And the overall trend that we are seeing is that we we do expect and we we still do expect that we are nearing the end of the hiking cycle. So although the Fed still has work to do, we are closer to the end of that cycle than the beginning of that cycle. So, you know, that fundamental belief still stands. So that being said, you know, this does cement uh, our bullish attitude toward credit in the short end, uh, that short end of the barbell there, you know, I, I like to say if, if we liked uh, short-term credit to start the year, we like it even more now with short-term rates up 50 basis points since the start of February. So that's how quickly the market has shifted. So, you know, if I'm looking at specifically my U.S. exposure, you know, ZUS.U and ZUS.V are BMO Ultra Short-Term U.S. Bond ETF and ZSU are BMO short-term US IG corporate bond hedge to CAD index ETF. Uh, I think both are very well positioned. They both provide excellent diversified investment grade corporate exposure with yields that are at or above 5%. So, you know, further reason to lock in those short-term yields now while you can. You know, as well with U.S. dollars continue. Sorry, with with the U.S. dollar continuing to rally relative to the U, uh, to Canadian dollar, and we expect that to continue given the Bank of Canada's pause and the Fed continuing to raise rates. You know, I think something like ZUS uh, being in U.S. dollars is an excellent investment for any investor with U.S. dollars that wants to earn a very attractive yield while they wait and see the U.S. dollar continue to appreciate. So, you know, that's something that I look at. ZUS, for anyone who has U.S. dollar exposure, as being very attractive. And ZSU, who anyone's looking for that investment-grade credit exposure, hedge back to Canadian dollars. I think both of them are very well positioned and continue to be very well positioned for the period ahead. Great. Thanks, Matt. That's all the questions that we have for this week. So thank you to everyone for tuning in and a special thank you to both Matt and Chris 
for providing some great insight and sparking some positivity into the conversation. Uh, so with that, I just want to thank everyone and hope you have a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemoro, and Chris Higgs for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Equal Weight REITs Index ETF, ticker ZRE, which invests in a diversified basket of real estate income trusts. Our experts also discussed the BMO Real Return Bond Index ETF, ticker ZRR, which gives investors access to inflation-protected income holdings. And finally, the BMO Covered Call Technology ETF, ticker ZWT, which holds high-quality tech stocks with a call option overlay that provides a monthly cash distribution. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.